My name is Shannon Beer. I am a nutrition coach and educator interested in the consilience of knowledge across disciplines, including science, psychology, philosophy, art and literature. The goal of this podcast is to bridge those disciplines and explore different perspectives in order to gain a greater understanding of myself, others and the world around us. Enjoy the show. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Dr. Jessica Oliva, who is an assistant professor of psychology at Maastricht University in the Netherlands. Her mission is to help people develop a healthier relationship with their body. Now, Jessica's research investigates novel strategies for improving body image, as well as the factors that can make us feel better or worse about our bodies. She is also an associate editor for Body Image, the leading scientific journal in the field of body image research. Now what we are going to be discussing today is essentially clearing up some of the misconceptions around what it actually means to have a positive body image and I think some misconceptions around the body positivity movement in general because I found that in practice coming from the perspective of working in the fitness industry, there seems to be a hesitation of working on our body image and association between acceptance and sort of complacency or letting oneself go. So I thought Dr. Jessica Oliva would be a great person to clear up some of those misconceptions for us. So firstly, thank you for joining me. And I thought it would be great to start off by asking you, you know, why do you do the work that you do? Thank you so much for having me and for the kind introduction. Um, With respect to why I do the work that I do, I think uh, as for many body image researchers, it goes back to childhood. Um, In my particular case, I grew up having strabismus, which is an eye condition where one of your eyes or both are not straight. And so uh, from an early age, I think I was confronted with the reality, I guess, of how your physical appearance impacts how other people view you and how that impacts how you feel about yourself. And of course, people's responses to you, how that impacts how you feel about your body and all those things interacting with one another. And then throughout my childhood, having had several surgeries to try to make my eyes look straight, but of course, also just growing up as a a girl, as a, a woman, in our culture, or at least in the culture I grew up in, where there was a lot of emphasis on physical appearance, and there is a very narrow appearance ideal, and added to that, that there's a lot of importance tied to the way that a girl or a woman looks. And so as I got older, my appearance concern shifted more towards, you know, not only, oh, how do my eyes look, and how do other people perceive me because of this, but then also towards, uh, at a very young age, already being very concerned about being too big, that my body weight was not okay, that I was ugly because of it. And this then culminated to when I was in my late adolescence of having developed an eating disorder and then going to university. So I first studied in Canada and then I moved abroad to the Netherlands where I still am now. (laughs) And then in university meeting other young people who were also struggling with their physical appearance and their eating. And for me, it was like, looking at them and thinking, oh, how can you not, you know, love yourself for how you are and, um, and treat your body with kindness and love and you're perfect exactly the way you are. And then my friends would be like, hey, you're doing the exact same thing. And it really took, you know, me having this love and compassion and care for my friends and for my peers to then realize like, oh, they're absolutely right. And why am I not looking at myself with that same concern and same compassion? And then that led me into actually realizing that I had an issue, that I had an eating disorder, that I had serious issues with my body image, and then going into treatment for that. Um, And so I think it's really important, or for me at least, to to be open about that, to break taboos around mental health, but also because it's very important for my own journey into this work of like, it started by the development of an eating disorder, and then wanting to help other people who are struggling with the same things as me but of course realizing okay that has to start with me taking care of myself and then that led me into this journey of okay why is it that so many people are really unhappy with their body Uh, why is it that so many people struggle with their eating and so reading a lot about that going into therapy and then eventually uh, going into this field more formally in terms of switching my education away from medicine 
going more into uh, psychology and then the research side of that. And so that was kind of my beginning. Also thinking of like, wow, what could we all be doing with our, <laughs> with our time and our energy and our passion if we were not so focused on our bodies? And so really wanting to change things, I guess, for myself, but more importantly, for other people and for future generations. And that is still something that you know, today I can say I've developed a positive body image and I feel very proud of how far I've come, but remembering how sad it was and how limited my life was and uh, how much that impacted everything about my life. And then that keeping me motivated to do the work that I do. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I agree. And I think it's very important that we do break that taboo, which very much still exists. And what you sort of highlighted there is just how common these experiences may be and how our body image can impact our eating behaviors, which can take a toll on our physical and psychological well-being. Mm -hmm. Something that stood out to me is how on an intellectual level, you sort of understood, you know, yeah, there's more to life than looking a certain way. And hey, like these people, like they're, they're great the way that they are. Like you understood that and could take that attitude towards others, but had difficulty applying it to yourself and embodying that attitude. And that's something that I find very common with clients is that they, like, they know, they're like, yeah, I know there's more to life than how I look. And I know that so much of my headspace is going towards sort of controlling my appearance and controlling my food intake and my exercise. And I know that there's more to me than that but I can't seem to make that sort of shift. And what's been interesting in looking at the research on body image is how the field has began to sort of expand from not simply addressing a negative body image, but now considering what it means to have a positive body image above and beyond even a neutral body image. So I thought that would be a great place for us to focus this conversation as to what actually does it mean to have a positive body image and why may that be adaptive above and beyond simply even a neutral body image? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so from the research perspective, if we tend to look at it as an overarching love and respect for your body based on research from Professor Tracy Tilka and uh, Dr. Nicole Wood Barkelow. This is kind of a broad definition of it. And then looking more closely, um, they and other positive body image researchers have kind of defined other characteristics of positive body image. So for example, appreciating and accepting your body regardless of how it looks or regardless of whether it meets the societal appearance ideal and not judging your body against that societal appearance ideal. It means with respect to your appearance, appreciating the things that make you you or that you love about your physical appearance. But more importantly, it means recognizing and appreciating the valuable things that your body can do. So we call that body functionality and really realizing indeed that there's more to my body than the way that it looks. It does a lot of valuable things for me. Importantly, I think with regards to that discussion is to recognize that positive body image doesn't mean that you think that you're the most beautiful person on the planet or that you're happy with every aspect of your appearance or that you're happy all of the time about your body. So I often get that question of like, oh, well, isn't body neutrality better because we don't want people to be obsessed with their appearance or to, you know, it's another ideal that women have to live up to or people have to live up to of like, now I have to love my body all the time. But interestingly, from the positive body image research, we know that people with a positive body image, that's exactly what they say of like, I don't feel positive about every aspect of my body and I don't feel positive about my body all the time. But more importantly, it just means I know there's more to me than my body. And the body that I do have, I'm able to respect it and take good care of it, regardless of how I feel about my appearance. So I think that that's something important uh, to say there. And also that people with a positive body image have like a very broad idea of what it means to be beautiful or have like, a, yeah, what, what bodies look like so that we can see that there are beauty, there's beauty in different body shapes and sizes and ethnicities and, and there's inner beauty as well but really moving beyond this um, appearance ideal. And overall the research, there's now been like a, a boom in positive body image research, as you said, moving beyond like only looking at negative body image to looking at, okay, what does it mean to have a, a positive body image? Because of course we don't want people to just not feel bad about their body, but I think 
it's a, a good goal at least to try to move beyond that. And then the research showing now that it's actually related to so many facets of well-being. Um, so for instance, to engaging in intuitive eating, so that's eating in response to hunger or satiety rather than like strict diet rules, not necessarily labeling, labeling food as good or bad and feeling bad about yourself if you enjoy brownie, for example, like a flexible adaptive eating style. It's also related to engaging in health-related behaviors. For instance, like if you feel something is not right in your body, like, hey, I'm going to go get that checked out by the doctor. Or, oh, if I'm feeling like really a lot of stress in my body, maybe I'll give myself a break and, you know, take some more rest or get some more sleep or eat different foods related to using sunscreen, for example, when the sun is out. And so all of these little and big things that show that when you feel positively about your body, you take good care of it. And also with respect to physical activity of this nuanced relationship of when you feel positive about your body, you're more likely to want to engage in a joyful physical activity. So things that where you're moving your body and feeling good in your body, but things that make you feel good and that you just love doing because it helps you to feel de-stressed or to express yourself or to be with friends or you just feel really good in your body rather than exercising like as a way to punish yourself or because you want to lose weight or doing something you hate and find really boring but you're just doing it because you want to get an x number of minutes of movement every day and of course physical activity is not something that everyone can engage in depending on the ability of their body so that's not to like put it on a pedestal either but yeah it's really encouraging to see one that there's more research now about positive body image and not just how do we reduce negative body image and then to see that it's having it has all these positive consequences for how we feel about ourselves on many different levels yeah and I think it's really important to emphasize that point that having a positive body image does not mean loving yourself you know or every aspect of yourself or feeling great day in and day out because that can be sort of viewed as something that's unrealistic. If someone believes that's what it means to have a positive body image, they're like, well, that's never going to be the case for me. So I couldn't possibly achieve that. And as you say, well, that's not actually what it is about. It's just about having that respect and appreciation. And that when you do develop that, it actually goes hand in hand with engaging in health related behaviors, which I think addresses another concern that I've noticed with people is that, well, if I accept myself, doesn't that mean giving up on myself a resignation and I'm just never going to change and that's not necessarily what we're saying it's like well actually you can learn to appreciate you for who you are and then take care of your body as a result of that and you gave some great examples whereby you know allowing yourself to rest because again when someone's very caught up on controlling their body composition I found that people have a tough time taking a rest day or even eating appropriately on a day that they don't exercise because well I haven't burned these calories so the difference is that actually when you do develop a positive body image you actually take good care of yourself because of that and I, I like to distinguish between adaptive appearance investment and maladaptive appearance investment so we're not saying that you're giving up on yourself or you're ignoring your body but it's just not that excessive emphasis on how you look but it's more about how you feel and who you are as a person mm. now I wanted to touch on actually promoting a positive body image because as you say there are well we've just discussed some of the misconceptions and I think there has been some criticism of the body positivity movement so in your opinion does the body positive movement actually contribute to positive body image yeah, that's a great question and one that I also get a lot of questions about because, again, there's that assumption of like, oh, promoting like body diversity is going to lead to people kind of, quote unquote, letting themselves go with respect to whatever that means. Um, and so um, I think, first of all, there are maybe a good starting point is with regards to where negative body image comes from, which helps us to understand why the positive body image movement is so helpful and so good 
is that um, so one of the main theories is the tripartite influence model, which I know you've discussed, I think, on your podcast as well, for example, with Professor Philippa Diedrichs. Uh, but the basically, in a nutshell, the theory says that through media and peers and family, we learn that our culture has a specific appearance ideal, a very narrow appearance ideal in terms of how your body should look and function. Uh, not only is there this ideal, but it's extremely important. Like we're made to feel like if we look, you know, like this ideal, we're going to be so happy with our life and we're going to be successful and, and be popular and all these things attached to it. And therefore, we internalize this idea of or we come to buy into these ideas of one, this is you know, what our ideal appearance should look like. And two, if I look that way, it means I'm a better person or I will have a better life. And so all of these messages that we get from media and peers and family about the ideal lead to us buying into those ideas, which we call um, internalization of the beauty ideal. And it also leads to people comparing themselves to that ideal. And of course, because it's a very narrow ideal that's um, not possible for most people to achieve, it leads to us inevitably feeling like we've failed, that our own body doesn't measure up, and that these two things, buying into these ideals and comparing ourselves against them, lead to a negative body image. And then another um, well-researched theory is objectification theory by Professor um, Fredrickson and Roberts. And that theory says that in our culture, um, women, but now increasingly other genders as well, are viewed and evaluated based on their physical appearance, more so than, for instance, the things that their body can do or um, aspects of their personality and self. And then living in this culture where we you know, experience sexual objectification or we see that people are valued for their appearance leads to us internalizing that idea and kind of looking at ourselves based on how we look. So we come to evaluate our body based on if I am my appearance or my body is its appearance and more broadly like I am my appearance. So we see in a lot of research that especially girls and women, their self-worth is really determined by how they feel about their appearance more than for instance, their intelligence or personality. And then this perspective for the body leads to negative body image and other health risks for women. And so I'll come back to that with regards to, okay, the body positive movement. So the question was uh, how does the body positive movement contribute to positive body image and research on that has shown, okay, looking at hundreds of images from the body positivity movement and analyzing the content of those, um, researchers have shown that overall these images are promoting like those core aspects of positive body image. So showing a diversity of body shapes and sizes and ages and skin tones, finding that with messages of, you know, you are more than your appearance or it's okay to not love every aspect of yourself or there is beauty in our differences and diversity. So in general, the movement is reflecting these core aspects of positive body image and then experimental studies showing kind of the general setup is that people will be in one group either asked to view images from the body positivity movement or in another group asked to view non-appearance related images like travel imagery. <laughs> And in another group, we'll be asked to view um, kind of the traditional appearance ideal imagery. And then across many studies, we now see that people who are asked to look at the body positive imagery feel more positively about their body and have a more positive mood compared to people who look at appearance ideal imagery or non-body related imagery. And moreover, um, many, many studies showing that viewing this appearance ideal imagery, whether that's just like the typical imagery of looking at the appearance ideal or whether it's framed as like fitspiration and <laughs> inspiration for physical activity and uh, and a certain eating style that these types of images lead to more negative body image and so those experimental studies are important because they can show like actually in that moment of looking at these images has an immediate impact on how people feel about their body and with body positive imagery leading to people feeling happier about their body. And then also from qualitative research of interviewing people, like showing them, for instance, campaigns from Airy, who do not use Photoshopping and they um, try to use more diverse models, showing that people respond very positively to those types of campaigns that they perceive them to promote body diversity and acceptance of different bodies. Um, but also that they feel that they can accept and appreciate their own body more. So for instance, what they would say, oh, I'm, I feel very inspired by this woman in this image who is confident in her body and portrays love for her body because I recognize myself and how she looks or she's also not meeting this quote unquote ideal. 
and I don't either. So that means I could also accept my body. So it kind of inspires people to take that perspective toward their own body. So that also shows that people like even people describing their experiences of looking at these images, they say, oh, I feel better about my body. And I love these types of campaigns. And I appreciate this. And then tying back to those theories, um, we can say that all of this research support for the positive body image movement shows that it has positive potential for how we feel about our bodies, potentially because it's kind of breaking down that ideal that, as we talked about in those theories, like we're presented day in, day out with this one narrow appearance ideal, and we kind of buy into that, whereas the body positive movement is kind of showing us a different perspective of what bodies actually look like, as oftentimes actively criticizing the appearance ideal. So kind of preventing people from buying into that or at least helping people be more critical of it and preventing people then from comparing their own bodies to those ideals because they realize and are shown actually it's very unrealistic and here's what real bodies actually look like. And also often actively encouraging people to step away from that appearance perspective. So even though like um, oftentimes body positive images might still be in a way focused on the physical appearance of the body. For instance, by showing uh, women of different body sizes in lingerie, for example, it's still, uh, there are many images that help us to completely move away from an appearance focus of like, okay, I know that I am more than my appearance. And so tackling that tendency to engage in this self-objectification of like, I recognize that I'm more than my body. And so tying back to those two theories of kind of um, interrupting those core processes of how negative body image is usually caused. I had a thought as you were talking that that considering sort of public health messaging, um, especially in the UK, because that's where I'm from, and I know that it's been criticised for potentially blaming individuals for having overweight or obesity and causing a lot of shame, that I wonder whether public health messaging could be improved with some of these findings from the body positivity sort of movement, knowing that actually, you know, there are ways to promote a message that is likely to achieve the end goal of encouraging people to participate in health seeking behaviors. So that's just like a thought that came to mind is that, hmm, you know, maybe we should add some sort of positive body image messaging into our public health campaigns. Now, something that stood out to me is the impact of fitspiration, how that may actually contribute to body dissatisfaction through the tendency for us to compare ourselves to the images that we see online. Now, this has been a cause for concern for me as someone who works in the fitness industry, helps clients with their nutrition and with their movement. There's been a bit of a sort of confusion because I also work with other coaches in terms of mentoring other coaches there's been a confusion now when these individuals begin to learn about positive body image and just body image in general They're like how do I now go about promoting my services because the standard in the industry is to show before and afters of your clients transformations which is pretty much just focusing on the physical changes and I guess implying that this person in the after now that they're smaller they're so much more better off and even if the caption pertains to psychological changes and you know how much healthier a person is that may not be enough to detract from the impact that the image itself has. So do you have any advice for fitness professionals in terms of their own branding and imaging that they can sort of take on board to help contribute to a positive body image and still serve the function of promoting their services, which ideally are not necessarily weight focused, but more just health focused? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really great question and a very difficult question to answer, I think, because indeed I can imagine I'm not, uh, uh, that's not my profession, obviously, to be a fitness or health expert. And so, but think it just imagining indeed of like, how would I advertise my services in a world where I think things are changing in terms of how we look at body weight and, and body image and eating and the relationship between those things. But at the same time, people do still want to lose weight because that is something that people still feel 
a lot of shame around their body weight or there is still these ingrained ideas of like, if I would lose weight then I will be more attractive and, and X, Y, Z. But I think it's important and I think there's a growing market for that of moving away from those weight-based messages and images. So maybe people feel like, oh, I will be alone in this approach. But I think that there are more and more people who are taking that approach and to think about like, what do I feel good about promoting at the end of the day? Like what, what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of message do I want to promote in the world? Um, and ultimately knowing that for your clients, it is also much better that they are not focused on their physical appearance, that they are not focused on weight loss, but that their focus is on taking good care of themselves and having a higher quality life, maybe, and whatever that means to them or, or feeling maybe fit for having more energy to do the things that they really value in their life. And so, yeah, I would say for one thing, I think the before and after images are, like you said, even if the text is focused on oh, this person feels better in all these other ways. The message to someone looking at that is still, as you said, the, oh, this person, maybe their body size changed. And like, that is why this is being shown as like, yeah, let's applaud this person. So I wonder if there's a way to do that without having a before photo, because really, do you need the before and after photo, right? I can imagine maybe some people still would like to have those photos taken, but maybe it's not something that then needs to be shared on social media, but rather than uh, sharing, for instance, an image of the client and all of the benefits that they've had um, to their life that are not at all related to their body weight. And I think that that is also something powerful that is in your hands of like shaping the message that you promote on social media to emphasizing, not at all mentioning body weight, because I think that doesn't need to be something that is even mentioned, right? If it's about someone's how they feel, their energy level, um, how they feel about their self-confidence, or if it is about the body, then emphasizing uh, how much joy they have in discovering this new side of themselves of like, oh, no, I never knew that I would be really good at doing this particular sport or how much I enjoy dancing and how great that my body enables me to do that. And I, I get so much joy out of that and so much energy and passion. And I think there's so much that we can highlight and emphasize in terms of the body and in terms of other aspects of how people feel but we are probably just so used to this kind of script yesterday I also got a newsletter from our community like our neighborhood and there was also an advertisement in there for a healthcare provider but it was also all about weight of like do you want to feel better about yourself and lose weight <laughs> like we will help you to achieve your weight loss goals and feel better but it was I was like, oh, but what about all the other things we could focus on? Why is this only about body weight? And uh, and again, if you do use those messages, it's seeing it as like continuing or choosing to continue to be part of this harmful cycle and then actively choosing to step out of that. I think that's really important that we are making sort of an active and a conscious decision and are very aware of the implications of our messaging. I started just by like when I sort of shifted away from that just by sharing comments that I'd received from clients. But now I'm beginning when I ask for a testimonial to say, hey, could you just send me, if you're happy to, would you mind sending me an image of you living like your best life, like feeling your best, where your body isn't necessarily the focus. And the images that I get back would be seeing my clients with their partners or um, on holiday and, and going out and doing things and just like living their life. And I'm like, yeah, cool. That, that's a great representation of the idea of working towards a positive body image and sort of taking care of your health. And like you say, do we even need the before photo? And do we even need to mention weight? Because I know that well, I think one of the sort of potential criticisms is that for an individual who may have internalized weight stigma feels like it's very important for them to lose weight. And in reality, they are likely in, in terms of we know that weight stigma exists, they may be treated differently by virtue of looking different. Like that's the reality of our society. And I am very apprehensive about explicitly discouraging people from losing weight when they've experienced a different treatment. And that's not because 
I want them to pursue weight loss, but because I don't want to invalidate their experience. So there's now this sort of difficult position where, you know, some people do genuinely believe, well, I might be treated differently if I lose weight. So how could you tell me not to focus on that? So I think the middle ground for me has been so far to just not make it a focus at all and not explicitly promote it or discourage it it's just completely neutral whereby some people by focusing on their health may notice a change in their body composition but that's not the purpose and we're not making it an explicit sort of focus because I'm very apprehensive of turning away the people that actually may benefit the most from working on their uh, body image so I wondered if you had any thoughts on that Yeah, those are excellent points. Um, And I think, like you said, you don't want to delegitimize someone's experience. Um, And we do know that there is a lot of stigma and phobia toward people in larger bodies. So that is part of their experience and acknowledging that and taking that seriously. And if that is their goal of like, okay, my main goal is to lose X number of kilos, then that you can take that seriously. But at the same time, along the journey of maybe helping them to notice the changes in other aspects of their body of like, oh, how are you feeling in terms of your energy level? Or how proud do you feel that you've been able to learn this new skill in a physical activity? Or how does your body feel when you eat a food that you really enjoy eating? And so to kind of highlight those things, because I do know in some of the other work that we're doing that a lot of women and people say, I started doing this physical activity because I wanted to lose weight. But then by doing it and being involved, I um, developed this deep appreciation for like, wow, how great that my body can learn new things and I can see my body change and improve in terms of the things that I can do in that sport or recognizing if I want to perform well in that physical activity, I do need to eat a lot of food or I need to eat more than I was eating and I need to eat differently. And that then helps them to develop a different relationship with eating and with physical activity And then realizing, hey, my weight is actually not that important or like um, other people describing being involved in sports and seeing, oh, you know, that person who is larger bodied than me, they're really good at, you know, what they do. And so it kind of confronts them with this idea of like weight equals ability or weight equals physical health and not to mention connecting with other people through doing those activities of people who share a similar passion and are supportive of one another and really love what they're doing together. And that can also be a really positive aspect of being involved in physical activity that you enjoy. And so indeed, if you immediately shut someone down in the beginning, that would prevent them maybe from experiencing all those things. But I do think you would still have a role in terms of along the way, helping them to look in certain directions or develop a certain perspective and maybe also the critical component of like, yeah, it really does suck that you've been treated differently because of your body weight. And like, what are some of the reasons for that? And relating to this, I know from some of our research that people, uh, for instance, we've done research on women who have had bariatric surgery um, and how their conceptualization of their body changes after surgery. And a lot of them do describe feeling more positively about the physical appearance of their body and about what their body can do. But at the same time, uh, feeling very conflicted about that of like, I'm the same person on the inside and now people are treating me so much better and I'm getting all of this attention. Like, what does that say about me? Or what if I gain weight again? And why was I not acceptable before? And makes them have many mixed feelings about that experience of like, just really recognizing the impact of changing a body size and how other people respond to them. And then again, highlighting, oh, appearance is really important and my body weight is important, which makes them feel a lot of anxiety, I think, about their bodies and about potentially gaining weight again. And so, yeah, it's a very new, a very nuanced, uh, a nuanced experience. I was really sort of interested and surprised when I came across some research on um, complementary weightism in terms of actually complementing people on their appearance may contribute for some people who are very shape focused it may contribute to body dissatisfaction which is kind of the opposite of what you would imagine 
or what would be the intention behind giving a compliment in the first place. And I think this has implications, again, from fitness professionals and wanting to celebrate client progress. It's very common for people to focus on, oh, well done, you lost X amount of weight this week, which basically the implication of that is, and now, therefore, you are a better person and well done for you. And of course, we want to celebrate client progress, but there are other ways to do that. So I think that it's important to highlight the even when you are complimenting someone, if it is appearance or weight focused, it may still have some negative consequences. And ultimately, at the end of the day, there are far more important things and far more meaningful ways to treat people and to celebrate people. Uh, We touched a little bit on functionality appreciation. And I think, again, from the fitness industry perspective, for athletic clients in particular, it's very common to focus solely on physical capacity in terms of, oh yeah, I can appreciate how strong I am in the gym. But sometimes that actually can, firstly, that's a very narrow um, view of what functionality appreciation really is, but also then can lead to comparisons between other gym members of, oh, but I'm not as strong as this person, or I can't do that. So therefore I actually now feel worse. So could we touch on some of the other aspects of functionality appreciation and how it's more about what you can do not what you can't do yeah oh thank you this is my main area of of research and I'm so passionate about it Uh, and it started at the beginning of my PhD where my supervisor Dr. Carly Martin was like okay before we start with our planned project you just explore the literature and see what you're passionate about and And then we had this discussion of like, oh, so much of the body image literature is about how people feel about their appearance, but like your body is so much more than that. And what would happen if we have people focus on what their body can do instead? And so it started as this like, oh, what would happen if like this this fun discussion we had together, but actually like birthed now my whole research line and the main focus of my research. So the very beginning, we just thought, okay, let's start by asking people either uh, describe your physical appearance or describe what your body can do, or they described a neutral topic as a control. And then from reading through um, hundreds of people's descriptions of their body functionality, we really realized actually how broad body functionality is. So indeed, we tend to think about like, oh, I can bike to work or like, oh, I can lift weights, for example. But then reading people's responses of seeing that people also describe like their internal processes of digesting food and absorbing vitamins and getting energy from their food or sleeping and restoring their body at the end to creative endeavors. Like I can paint and draw and sing to communicating with other people. So uh, giving someone a hug or giving someone a kiss or having sex or body language and eye contact to bodily senses and sensations of like, oh, I can look outside and see the tree blooming and uh, I can hear my favorite song or my child laugh. Uh, And also to things like self-care of um, taking a shower, brushing your teeth. And interestingly, a lot of people would then describe like in the feedback of the study, like, oh, it was quite hard to describe what my body can do, especially women would write like, I'm so used to thinking of my body in terms of how it looks like this was the very uh, challenging question for me. But then the longer that people wrote, then it was almost hard for them to stop of like, oh, there is actually so much that my body can do and I really appreciate all those things. And then that led to us developing a broader intervention, which we then called Expand Your Horizon to uh, help people to really in-depth focus on all these aspects of their body, uh, what their body can do and why that's valuable to them. And indeed the important thing is focusing on the things that you're able to do. So regardless of like, um, for instance, as you get older, there are probably things that you cannot do compared to when you were younger, or maybe you cannot do them as well as you would like, or maybe you've had an injury or a medical condition or an illness that has changed the function of your body. But our research and other research in positive body image shows that really the important thing is focusing on your own body. So not comparing to other people like you described and thinking about, okay, with regards to my body, what is my body able to do and why are those things valuable to me regardless of whether it's kind of I guess like the broader concept of positive body image in general like maybe you're not 
happy with every aspect of it, but it's about respecting and appreciating what you are able to do. And this is so important in terms of not only the work that we've done of showing that this intervention has very positive effects for how people feel about their body and also for instance, people who have a medical condition. We've done research on women with rheumatoid arthritis, but also um, in terms of more broadly, like research on positive body image, really showing that this is a core aspect of how they view their body positively, of like shifting toward what my body can do. And interestingly, what I'm really passionate about nowadays is, is that we are doing research, looking at how do people move from in the past, having had a very negative body image to developing a positive body image over time. And this was inspired by research in Sweden at the University of Gothenburg by uh, Professor Holmquist Guitario and Friesen. And they looked at, they had a survey of thousands of Swedish adolescents over time into young adulthood. And then they selected the subgroup of Swedish adolescents who at the start of the study had a very negative body image and who had developed a positive body image over time and interviewed those people to be like, how did you make this happen? <laughs> and what they found as well is the, really the importance of developing this functionality-based perspective for their body. Relating back to what we were talking about as many of them found this through doing a physical activity of like, oh, I discovered like soccer and I was so good at it and I love doing it. And it helped me to really change my perspective toward my body. Um, or other people saying like, oh, I started, I realized that I can sing so well and I loved doing this. And I recognize like, hey, that's so cool that my body can do this. So what, regardless of what it was, of just realizing the importance of the functionality of their body. Um, and so I was really inspired by that and wanted to do a study on a similar idea, looking at women in Canada who have developed a positive body image over time and explicitly also asking women who have perceived their body to differ or deviate from societal norms. So the Swedish study was just more broadly of people who had a negative body image to positive body image, but we wanted to really look at, okay, but what about the people who really felt different from societal norms, whatever that might mean to them? And so, for example, we have women who had vitiligo, uh, a skin condition, or uh, women who had a medical illness or a medical condition, or women who had experienced an eating disorder, or women of different um, ethnic minorities in Canada. Uh, to see like what is the shared experience of how we move from negative body image to positive body image. And again, we see, I uh, haven't published the data yet because we are at the end of the analyses, but it's so cool to again see across the many different experiences of women, regardless of what their own perceived difference was, like how important that aspect was of learning my body is so much more than how it looks and I really appreciate what it can do and so that gives me more and more confidence of like this is such an important aspect of positive body image and well-being. That's really promising because the Expand Your Horizon intervention itself is pretty straightforward and very easy to distribute and if functionality appreciation has a large role to play in helping people shift from a negative body image to a positive body image, that's great news because so far the Expand Your Horizon intervention is the one with the most you know, robust evidence base behind it in terms of the increases in functionality appreciation. And I found in practice as well with clients who do experience body dissatisfaction or really hold their appearance, you know, regard it as really important to who they are and where their worth comes from. I found that, you know, challenging some of those appearance assumptions may be a little bit abrasive in the initial stages, particularly if someone is not fully open to the idea of explicitly like working on their body image but I found that actually if we begin by focusing on the strengths that they do have already that can be a very nice way to begin that work and to begin that shift so that's just something that I've noticed in practice and as we said it is something that's very sort of easy to do and although 
ideas and that appreciation may not come to mind immediately by reflecting on it over the course of a few days or even weeks I think people really do discover that actually there is a lot to be grateful for and some of the best sort of all my favorite answers that I've received from clients have been things like you know being able to be intimate with their partners and to like cuddle or to see their kids face when they tell them that they love them and all of those sorts of things that aren't things that we naturally I think think about because of the way that our society is set up the way that our focus is directed but when we do begin to reflect on that I think it does have and the research sort of supports the idea that it has you know really great implications now I am interested then in your thoughts on interventions that are designed to sort of do both because I don't think we really have much data on that at the moment usually the interventions will look at sort of one aspect of either a positive or a negative body image but in general if you were to I guess offer your opinions on what you think may be a good way to combine some of these strategies so like the challenging the cognitions the regulation of emotions the addressing body avoidance or body checking and the functionality appreciation what are your thoughts on an intervention that would sort of address all of those factors over time (laughs) That is the ultimate question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess indeed in, in the research, we tend to look at it separately so that we know exactly like what we are measuring and if we see change in body image, what it is exactly coming from. But ultimately, I do think it has to be a combination of these different techniques, especially because, as you know, the example you gave of that people really having this ingrained tendency maybe to focus on their appearance and to find it, you know, important And then, of course, maybe they know, oh, yeah, my body does all these other things, but it's a matter of like practicing that perspective and really learning to feel that and then still existing in this world where they are still told to and taught to focus on appearance. So I think that in order to move toward positive body image and less negative body image has to be a combined approach. And in the study that I mentioned now about the women who move from negative body image to positive body image, this is also really clear of like the many different routes that people take toward positive body image. Some of them are not necessarily a formal intervention. For example, many women get pregnant and then it's only at that point that they're like, oh my God, my body is like creating a human. Like I'm a superhuman being. (laughs) I can create a person and and really lend through motherhood. Also feeling, as we talked about in the very beginning of like, it often takes you being concerned about someone else to realize that you need to do better in terms of your body image. So women saying, oh, through becoming a mother, I actually thought about what kind of future would I want for my children? And knowing that I need to model a more positive body image so that they grow up feeling positively about their body. So that's not necessarily something you could do in an intervention, of course, like get pregnant. But there are many different life experiences that contribute to that, but also in terms of things that people actively do, even in with regards to people accessing different knowledge of some people going to cognitive behavioral therapy for an eating disorder or for their negative body image and learning to challenge those thoughts of like, yeah, who told you that this is the only way to be beautiful or that that's the main thing that's important to you uh, or learning to expose themselves to like, oh, is it really true if you go to the beach in your bikini that everyone's going to stare at you and, and you're going to have a horrible day or can you still go out there and have a good time? So learning to challenge their behaviors other people describe like oh I started reading spiritual texts and this changed my body image because I started to see my body as part of something bigger and uh, inherently worthy of respect Um, and that made me realize how arbitrary beauty ideals are and that my body is worthy as it is and that's not something that we also necessarily think of as like a body image intervention but there are many uh, ways to that and then other people talking about the importance of body positive media. So what we talked about earlier of like seeing um, the body positive movement online and not only that imagery, but seeing, hey, other people also are not happy with the appearance ideal or other people are also struggling with their body image and we can support one another. So developing that criticism, but also this sense of community or simply by finding their community in other ways of, for instance, women who are part of the LGBTQ community through like becoming embedded in that community and becoming critical of other areas of society 
that that led to them also becoming critical of gender norms and beauty norms. And so I think in reality, even though we test like different approaches to body image improvement, in reality, many different approaches are needed and different life experiences over time help to change people's perspective toward their body and also to reinforce what they've learned. And relating to that, that every woman I have spoken to and also in the literature on positive body image say that it's an ongoing journey. Like it's not something that you you do this intervention and you feel positive for the rest of your life. <laughs> but it's really like, you know, a day-to-day -day thing of making that effort to take care of yourself and to think positively about yourself, to do things that, you know, that you know are good for your body. And some days feeling badly about it or getting a negative comment from someone and feeling insecure, but knowing like, okay, I know how to bring myself back. I know how to take care of myself and how to balance again toward positive body image, but it's an ongoing thing. And I think that that's, again, relating to this idea of we don't need another ideal to live up to. I think there are enough ideals for people to live up to. So just to recognize that as well, of like, it's good to prioritize your well-being and to move toward positive body image, but it's not that you will ever be done and that's okay. I find the sort of associations between spirituality and positive body image really interesting, probably because it speaks to something that's like a little bit of a pet peeve of mine is the distinction or supposed hierarchy between sort of science and the humanities and the fact that very scientifically minded people may be very critical of the concept of spirituality, given that it's probably very difficult to operationalize but that doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't exist, more so just limitations as to how we can potentially measure that and yeah. our own understanding of what it means. And I know personally that I found that reading philosophy or even viewing art has really helped to broaden my conceptualization, not just of what beauty is or what it really means, but also of like who I am. So I'm really sort of interested in, for example, there's tenets of like Buddhist philosophy. It's like, what even is the self? And it's like, well, yeah, of course I can focus on what my body can do and everything that that encompasses, but I can also focus on who am I? So my body yeah. is not just, you know, how it looks, but also I am not just my body. And those are two separate sort of components. And I really like sort of looking to Eastern philosophy as well, due to the differences in where the emphasis is sort of placed in terms of Western society is very much atomized, where it's like you are the individual solely responsible for yourself and your own well-being, whereas Eastern philosophy is much more, and society in general is much more relational. And now this pertains a lot actually to the, the research on positive body image, because we know that promoting a positive body image to others can have beneficial effects for our own sort of well-being and that those who have a positive body image are more likely to encourage a positive body image in others and also the fact that body acceptance by others can help us to accept ourselves so that's something that I've been finding sort of difficult to wrap my head around is like yes I really want to promote individual sort of autonomy and encourage people to accept themselves but then there also is this sort of role of our environment and our relationships with other people so I wondered if we could just touch on quickly the the implications that our relationships may have on our own body image and how we can affect other people's body image both positively or negatively yeah oh the the social is everything the relationships are everything in terms of how people come to feel negatively about their body but also how people can feel positively about their body so as you described overall we know that people with a positive body image tend to surround themselves with other people who have a positive body image and who support them and they also support other people in their positive body image. And that's really interesting. And then there's also research, I think their names were doctors Waring and Kelly. And they looked at what about the specific relationships in your life? And does your body image kind of stay the same 
overall or does it depend on the people that you're with and it was really interesting because they analyzed how people feel about their body with regards to different key relationships in their life and showed that it really depends on who you're around so around some people you might feel really accepting of your body and you feel really good about it and you feel comfortable in your body and also that you feel that you can eat intuitively and that you can listen to your body. And those people tend to be people who are not at all concerned with appearance, like those people you spend time with who have a positive impact are those who love you for who you are and appearance is not a big deal for them. Whereas around other people, it could be the opposite, that you're around someone who is very appearance focused um, and doesn't portray that acceptance, unconditional acceptance, and then you feel worse about your body. And overall, the more proportionally you have people who are supporting and accepting of you, overall, the more positive your body image will be. So that goes to highlight like just how important it is that you spend time. Obviously, you can't cut certain people out of your life, but you can choose like, who do I want to spend more or less time with? Because that will have a big impact on how you feel in that moment and overall. And so that's really cool to see. And also like with regards to the studies that I'm doing, but also the one in Sweden about these turning points toward positive body image that people really find new social circles. So it's not necessarily about changing your existing relationships, but it's about finding new groups of people who love you and accept you for who you are, regardless of how you look and who share common interests and values with you that are not related to appearance and then finding this new group of people is so important for helping you to change your perspective toward your body and toward maintaining that as well so the social relationships are so so important and I think we often forget about that as well in terms of interventions or psychology research it's usually like oh how can you change the way that you're thinking to feel better about your body but actually you can also look at how can you change the people that you spend time with to support your positive body image development? Yeah, I think a combination is really necessary. You know, it's sort of like developing that awareness of your own potential triggers that may like trigger the cycle of those negative body image thoughts and behaviors and emotions and having the skill sets to regulate those if and when that does happen, knowing that we're faced with body image threats, you know, on a daily basis, but then also reducing your vulnerability to experiencing that in the first place by surrounding yourself with supportive people who have values outside of appearance. And that's something that I've sort of been, I guess, indirectly encouraging with the way that I've gone about sort of helping people with their body image is I thought that there could be a useful place for values-based behavioral activation in terms of addressing overvaluation with weight and shape by helping people to consider you know how do you want to live and who do you want to be and then setting goals based on that so I've had clients you know realize that they're very musically expressive and actually they haven't spent much time on that recently because they've spent a lot of time focusing on dieting and changing themselves and sometimes that can push out other important areas of our lives mm -hmm. so there's been yeah like musical endeavors and hobbies that are usually sort of social in nature so I wondered mm -hmm. if you had any thoughts on values-based like the role of values-based behavioral activation probably for addressing sort of overvaluation as weight and shape or just forming part of that mm -hmm. comprehensive intervention yeah yeah oh it would definitely be part of my comprehensive <laughs> intervention if I would design one and I think there is already some research to show that the acceptance and commitment based approach is really beneficial for positive body image and I think it goes to that idea of what you said of like I am more than my appearance but even more so I'm more than my body and so to really highlight that and that's also what we see what I see in my own research and, and within other research and positive body image is really thinking about, okay, who am I? Not only how is my body functionality helping me to carry out these aspects of my life that I value, but who am I beyond my body? And then investing in that. I think that's also helping to counteract again, the societal pressure to really emphasize your body and to spend all your time on that. Whereas if we shift towards the other things that are really important to us and that are not related to our appearance or our body, like that's where I think you get really meaningful change. And I think that that needs to be a part of a big body image intervention, as you said, or part of someone's journey is not only okay, you definitely need to look at changing 
your attitudes towards your appearance and toward your body, but you also then need to move beyond that, as you said, like, what kind of person do I want to be and how do I want to spend this precious time that I have on this earth? So uh, that would definitely be part of my ultimate intervention as well. Honestly, I think that's the reason I'm so sort of interested in this area is because ultimately it is a philosophical question of who do I want to be and how do I want to live and you've touched on throughout this conversation the many ways how defining ourselves by our appearance really limits our lives and limits what we're capable of achieving and once you go beyond that that's when it gets really sort of exciting in terms of, you know what, like I do feel confident. I do feel capable of doing whatever I sort of want to do. And that's sort of the, my favorite types of conversations to to have with clients is encouraging them to, to think about that and then to take steps towards, you know, living that sort of lifestyle. Maybe as a, a final question, If you could sort of design, I guess, the ultimate intervention, what would be your research question that you would really love to to have an answer to? (laughs) Oh, that's a tough question. Um, That's a good question. I think like for me, the one thing that I'm wondering about now, I guess, is seeing in the journeys of people who have gone from feeling in the depths, have gone to rock bottom of feeling so negatively about their body to developing positive body image, which is something I identify with in my own personal experience. A lot of people talk about the value in reaching that rock bottom in terms of feeling at some point that they were so ill with an eating disorder that they would die or having a medical illness where they were confronted, again, going to this philosophical question, feeling confronted with the idea of their death or feeling so poorly about themselves because they've been put down so long at school, being bullied or by their family, being belittled, feeling so badly about themselves that something sparked for them of an enough is enough moment um, where they realize that something has to change. And that from that moment is like this turning point of something needs to change and I'm not going to put up anymore with being treated this way or treating myself this way. And it's so interesting because even though this is a really painful and difficult moment, that it can be so beautiful and inspiring to people in terms of like, that's the moment where everything changed for me. And that's the moment that has kept me moving forward because when they work toward positive body image, maybe they have bad days, but they know I'm not going to slip back into that because I know how horrible it was be in that point so it acts as like this ongoing energy and drive to keep moving forward and also that they often see it as a blessing because they say if I wouldn't have had this moment of feeling so horrible about myself or having having had an eating disorder and going through treatment maybe for the rest of my life I would have just felt negatively about my body not necessarily like to the depths of the lowest low But for the rest of my life, I would struggle with like disordered eating and a negative body image as they see in many of their, especially female family members. And so they see it really as a gift, what they've been through. And for the intervention part, that's really something that I've been thinking a lot about of like, yeah, how do you then use this in the form to help other women who are having a negative body image? Because of course, you don't want people to reach a rock bottom and you don't want to induce a rock bottom in people but it's something that I do find really inspiring of like people having been through really really difficult experiences to the fact that they feel that they cannot go any lower but that this is actually for them like the power of change and of continuing to move forward and also again relating to that social component of many women saying I know what it's like to have been to that rock bottom And I'm using that as my uh, power, as like my superpower to help other people. For instance, by uh, many women are really actively involved in activism or have a blog and a website where they share about their experiences or just in their day-to-day life are very outspoken in terms of being an advocate for positive body image. And so they kind of pay it forward in that way. And that is so beautiful and so this is not answering your question but in terms of like an ultimate intervention I just wonder how can you bottle that you know in terms of giving that to other women without them having to go through that and that's something I've been thinking a lot about because I think it is so powerful 
but it's not something that we've thought about of in terms of an intervention. How do you apply that? So I'm not sure if you have any ideas of actually I kind of yeah, I kind of do. As you were talking, firstly I would love to know the answer, but what came to mind was a model of change. So Fred Hanna has posited a precursor model of change, one of the components out of seven being a sense of urgency, which I think is probably the closest approximation to hitting rock bottom is having a sense of urgency. And what I've noticed with clients who are very ambivalent around change, who sort of fall on the disordered middle of the spectrum where they don't have a clinically recognized eating disorder, but they do experience a degree of psychosocial impairment. Sometimes for them, it doesn't feel that bad. So they may be obsessing around food, but they are able to control their body composition such that it does fit the societal ideal. So they get some benefits there in that they're confident in themselves, whether it's a unstable confidence or not, Mm -hmm. they feel confident in their bodies. They feel like they can accept their bodies because of that dependency on achieving an ideal. So despite experiencing some recognizable consequences in terms of even physical health consequences and the amount of thought and effort that goes towards controlling that, sometimes it doesn't feel bad enough to Mm -hmm. want to change. Now, I wonder whether there is a way to employ motivational interviewing techniques Mm -hmm. to increase a sense of urgency, to replicate, I guess, a rock bottom without someone actually having to have hit Mm -hmm. rock Mm -hmm. bottom by maybe encouraging them to think about the potential consequences of not changing their behaviors, where this might lead them in the long run, what their life could be like if they didn't think about, you know, how they looked and so on, whether you could cognitively induce a rock bottom through motivational interviewing to increase a sense of urgency to help people to change that would be my best sort of guess at how you might do that experimentally that's a great idea we'll have to incorporate that into the next experiment then (laughs) that would be awesome well thank you so much for joining me today if listeners want to sort of stay up to date with your work where's the best place for them to contact you or just to, to keep yeah keep touch base to see what you're up to yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, my email is just jessica.aliva at maastrichtuniversity.nl. I have a blog called Mind Your Body at Psychology Today. So that's where I usually share um, my own new research written in a more popular psychology way, but also try to highlight the amazing research being done by other body image researchers. So those would probably be, you could either directly email me or check out my blog. I do have Twitter, but I'm not as active as, as some other researchers on Twitter and uh, and other places like LinkedIn or ResearchGate. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And I'll provide links to your blog below. So yeah, I, I actually checked out the psychology today and I love how you're able to communicate the, the science in a way that is digestible. So I think that's a really great resource for people who do want to learn more about a positive body image and how they can take steps towards developing that for themselves. So thank you so much for our conversation. I feel like it'll be helpful for a large number of people. Oh, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, feel free to share on Instagram and tag me at shannonbeer underscore. Check out the show notes to learn more about today's guest. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.